Welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast. I'm Kevin Miller, and this is the podcast people tune into for in-depth discussions on the latest research from our foremost leaders in self-improvement, so you can be growing and more equipped to live at your fullest capacity in body, mind, and soul. We tend to think of diabetes as something you have or not, like a broken leg. But diabetes, in simple terms, is an issue of your body being able to deal with sugar. And in our culture, we all take in more sugar than our body is equipped to deal with. In America, more than one out of three Americans have diabetes or prediabetes. This is my Functional Friday episode where we focus on our health and wellness so we have the physical and mental capacity to help ourselves and others. And today we are breaking down diabetes. I'm with my co-host, Randy James, medical doctor and functional medicine expert, and he showcases that we are all on the diabetes spectrum. It's not simply an issue of whether we tip over the edge into a full-on diabetes diagnosis or not. The causes and symptoms of prediabetes need to be on your radar for yourself and if you have kids for them what are the chief culprits and it's not just high sugar foods and drinks and who is more at risk and why this show is really relevant for everyone us included if you find value from this self-helpful podcast be great if you would leave a review let us know what you think let others know best thing you can do is take the information like this right here on diabetes and talk about it with those you care about so you both learn more about it you can always find me and connect with me at my website or social media at kevinmiller.co Next up, Dr. James and I discussed this diabetes spectrum and where you and those you care about are most at risk. All right, you ready for <laughs> yeah. some stats? All right, 1958.93% of the population had diabetes. All right? Okay. You got that? Yeah. We're just going to jump up in the years. 1968. 1.62 had diabetes. 1985, 2.62. 2000, 4.4. 2015, 7.4. Today, 10.5% of the population diagnosed diabetes. In America. In America. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, in, Amer- in America. However, okay, so you got that? 10.5% of America. 35 million people have diabetes. 88 million have pre-diabetes. This is according to diabetes research. 88. So now we're up to 123 million people. Well, there's only 328 million in America. So more than one in three. So as we all go about our day-to-day, one out of three people, more than one out of three people has diabetes or is pre-diabetic. What's going on, Dr. James? (laughs) That is astounding. And it reminds me of a, of a talk that I'm working on, and the title is The American High Life. High blood sugar, uh-huh. high weight, high cholesterol, high blood pressure. Uh-huh. We have now created a society, a culture is a better way to say it maybe, that this is normal. Uh-huh. And I'm sure as a part of that research too, you know, of the 88 million pre-diabetics, only 1 million are diagnosed or are aware of it or have oh, talked yeah, about it. Oh, yeah, this is what we know, because if I had it right now today, well, hopefully you would know. We haven't done my labs in a while. Yeah, but, you don't have it. But there's a lot of people <laughs> that uh, are, yeah, are undiagnosed, just like you know, coronavirus right now. We only know the stats of the people who got tested. Right. Which I, I haven't. I, but, I mean, it's, it's this, just... This is such a burden, oh my not, gosh. not only on the medical side of the economy, but I'm looking at that and I'm thinking that's one-third of our population... And of course, most of those are adults. So let's say even more than one third of the uh, of the adults, and a significant proportion of those are say thirty to sixty, the prime working years. Mm-hmm. And that elevated blood sugar and insulin resistance and hyperinsulinemia and all of what diabetes is does steal your energy. It steals your resilience, your wherewithal. And it makes you less of what you could have been. Well, this says, and I'm, I just pulled this up, diabetes.org. About 210,000 Americans under age 20 are estimated to have diagnosed diabetes. 0.25% of the population. But if you take that 
up to pre-diabetes, we'd probably be at about 1% of kids. It actually seems low. Uh, surprise. Uh, right. And I'm looking at the down there, it's 58. Oh. So 6,000 of those with type 2. Right. So the, the big burden here, type 1, uh, we don't want to get into that. It's it's might be more genetic. Type 1 is a different animal. But if we're focusing on type 2, um, where it is a consequence of too many carbs, not enough exercise over too much time, and now whatever the numbers were there, of under 20. Yeah. Again, they, these young people are losing out on a vibrant life. Yeah, well, it, and I just wanted to pull out how this is, yeah, type 1, type 2, pre-diabetes. Either way, look at the stats. I mean, again, in a short amount of time, to go from, what was that initial? Yeah, from less even than in 1985, one, it was. Yeah, 1985, 2.62. 2. 2. And now we're up, we're over 10%. And the bell curve, or however you would say, the hockey stick, the hockey stick is just is increasing. Going, so for us to again to look out and go, man, why is, you know, why is healthcare, health insurance, so expensive? Why am I paying so many taxes? You know, so much to go to Medicaid, uh, Medicare, and, and all that. Why are, do we have? Why do we spend more? We were watching some movie the other night, and it was uh, you know some military type thing or you know espionage, whatever. But we were looking at it, and you're just thinking, oh, my gosh, how much money is going into military and, and space, you know, what, all these things. And it's all less. Again. Far less. Far less than what we spend on dealing with our average sick American. And this is just one stat. For every one of these people, this is not a healthier per- person overall. What are the chances they also have? heart disease and that they're obese and whatever. But I just wanted to pull out this one thing and and go ahead and talk on that one thing to come back and say why the increase, you know, what is the correlation? Because there is one. And also for us to look at and go, this is, this is catastrophic. This is going to, at this rate, um, and and I actually saw a stat earlier. I'll see if I can find it on what they're estimating as they are with any illness to say, okay, here's where we are. It's 10% right now. What do they estimate it's going to be? And this is, this is 2020 by like 2050. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's crazy, right? It's pretty much going to say we are all in America. Everybody has diabetes and it's going to be almost true. Yeah. It's, it's astounding. And, and I've always chafed at some of those stats because, they seem like doomsday theory. They seem yeah. like, you know, the world, you know, because I was in high school in 1985. And and I remember stats, you know, we, we all went through 1999 and the millennium and the Y2K and all of these kinds of things. And it always seems to turn out okay. Uh-huh. And in contrast to that, we've got chronic health, chronic disease in America it's hard to argue with because the stats are pretty clear, pretty true. And the, the problem there, I think, is those people who were in high school in 1985, so, you know, 50-year-old people, now really think culturally that diabetes is just kind of normal. That, and that's kind of one of the things I wanted to pull out here, that it's just kind of normal and it's happening to us. That's, that's right. The, that's a good point. That's the perspective. It's happening to us. And I was trying to look up... Uh, not that we, like you always say, are happening to it. How can I right. happen to my diabetes or right. my not diabetes? Right. And yeah. it, it's like, gosh, you know, my parents had it. And, you know, I would have exercised, but I, I had that back thing. I've, I've just got to get this job settled. We just moved. Uh-huh. I, I got my knee hurt, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Stuff that and, just happens. T- and stuff that just happens. Today and, we're looking out and we've yeah. got, I can't see Pikes can't. Peak because there's smoke from Durango, which is a long ways off. It's just, you know, it just happened to us. Diabetes, uh, it just happened to us. Of course, I'm uh, pulling up. I went and, you know, picked up our Americanos today. And McDonald's is just packed. It's just, and I thought, you know, it's just the way people are happy, man. I'm sure that they open, you know, they come by the window and smell that, uh, that, that memory of smell and, you know, happy person giving them an egg McMuffin and whatever they eat. And they're, 
coffee milkshake type thing. They don't know that their dopamine just got triggered. Yeah, and that they're and that's what's causing the stats. And you know, as always, man, it's not to point fingers and be judgmental, but this is we're living in America, and this is what's happening. This is where my tax money is going. This is why why my health insurance. Because we could also take that and say, what was health insurance back in 1958? And it's probably it's probably you know increased more so than the numbers of diabetes, but that's, that's why. And that's just health insurance. Our, our, our tax money over here is paying for government provided health insurance. And that this is why when we go in and you know, the cost, the medical costs, which, which there's so much talk about transparency right now. We don't know. I mean, it's wrecked either way though. Primarily there's no way we it's, can't look at that stat and say, I, what's the causation? What? Okay. Thank you. What is going on? And I also wanted to put a caveat out there to say, Somebody's listening to this with diabetes. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and we, we have to say, you know, you and I have talked about, well, I could talk about my joint pain or my yeah. lack of sleep or my whatever. And so we are all on the spectrum of illness, every human. But then we've got these ones over here that are in the red, so to speak, not in the green or the yellow. They're in the red and it's impacting and they have to have a medication in order to sustain life. And so to those people, this has to come across with grace, but also a call out for, well, what is the cause? And we have to speak more specifically to type 2 diabetes. And, and the cause is, like I said a moment ago, generally too many carbs, not enough movement over time. Is our, is our lifestyle. And, and, you know, I, and lifestyle. I pointed out, you know, I'm talking about America. Of course, people are listening to this in other countries, but in every country, it's, it's increasing. We're just where it is uh, the most. Just we about. are the tip of the spear. Tip of the spear. And there's a lot. When you look at diabetes, there's... Well, wait, let me come back to that. So I, I mentioned McDonald's. And you know what I want to pull out again is episode 24. So this is episode 32. Episode 24, we talked about uh, cultural overcoming cultural resistance and the norm. Just what you talk about. Right. It's just the norm. This is what happens in America. Yeah, more people are obese. More, pe- more people have diabetes. That's the biggest culprit in here because nobody's going to call you out for eating the average American diet. But this is what it is doing. This is what we live amongst. This is what our kids live amongst. Right. McDonald's is the norm. Yeah. I mean, it's a, you know, mama, hot apple pie and McDonald's. Right. That's America. So well, and this is back to the show 30 it was our last show or two shows ago. Um, what foods are, are helping or hurting you? You know, we're going, we're back to, gosh, really McDonald's is bad. Yes, it is. People are going through getting their, in essence, chocolate cake. And if you don't know that reference, go back to that show. They're getting their chocolate cake in various forms, whether it's in a cup and it's, they call it coffee, but it's got the ingredients of cake or it's their egg McMuffin. Right. It, and, and McDonald's has governmental oversight. It can give you a nutrition facts, you know, how many carbs and, how much vitamins and minerals and and the government considers the ketchup at McDonald's to be a vegetable and the french fries to be a vegetable and so many of us are also kind of floating along in a sense of well if if they they wouldn't let them sell it if it was bad for us yes and and so now we're also foisting upon the government you know somebody else to be responsible for me to put good healthy things in my body yeah i mean that's that and again, people don't do that consciously, uh, so I don't want to insult people's intelligence or whatever, but we do do it subconsciously all the time. Well, I insult my own intelligence by the things that I do because it's just the norm, it, man. Yeah. I'm, part of the, I'm part of the system. I mean, I do want to, you know, you mentioned people who have type 2, type 1, and pre-diabetic. So people listening, of course, we have a healthier person listening, or, or they wouldn't be, you know, they wouldn't be here. I mean, it is a healthier, but them their kids their family members people around them whatever just for the overall you know to hit on right now you know what are what well, let's say let me, let me ask this if you get somebody who comes in here who's dealing with what are some symptoms of pre-diabetes how would you know yeah i uh that's that's a great question and so let's let's say that also on this on the on the idea of spectrum it, I don't like the words pre, like pre-diabetic, okay. pre-hypertensive, because that's you. If right now you started eating ice cream every day and not exercising, you would be becoming more of a diabetic. I mean, you are right. you so, are now pre-death. Well, well so, so, so to start there, the fact that right now, I, Kevin Miller, at age 49 and a half, I can willfully cause diabetes. 
Sure. I mean, we, you could give me the rest. You could give me the rest. Of here's how to do, yes. here's how to live. That, and in the next, I mean, can I do it in a year? No, you have years? to say to increase your chances yeah. of because you can't. There's somebody out there who does eat a gallon of ice cream every day and does not get diabetes. I mean, that's okay. the individual biochemical individuality uniqueness okay. of humans. But everybody is on the spectrum. So to think right. like yesterday, a patient and she grew up sort of the skinny mini and could eat anything. And she just thought, oh, that's me. But she ate horribly. And of course, it wasn't diabetes that got her, but her immune system was wrecked and and constant GI whatever. And so that's just a different pathway over there. And somebody else, their genetics are set up to to be dysfunctional down a diabetic pathway. And I think in America, we have genetically sort of pushed ourselves in this pathway. That's the epigenetic phenomena that we are now three or four or five generations into, you know, uh, three meals a day, then four, then snacks and eat all the time and grazing. And now the average is, I think you pulled this out, six meals a day for a large proportion of the population, six a day. So, Six times a day, your body has to think, oh my gosh, here's a meal. I got to get my insulin going. And it's mostly carb-based meals. And in between that time, you don't walk or hike or swim or do things that you might need to do. No, you're still ingesting stuff. Coffee with whatever in it, tea with whatever, soda with whatever in it, an energy drink, uh, whatever. And and so so this is has a trigger of inflammation if we you know we've talked about that word before too and, and inflammation is good your body is inflaming because this is not a good situation it's responding to too many carbs not enough exercise it has to adapt to this and so what are some of the symptoms and i would say one of them is lack of energy because your body is spending the energy that it does have on dealing with this imbalance Even hold on, can I pull that out? That's mm-hmm. good because uh, so many people we know that feeling of uh, being so tired after a big meal. You know, a Thanksgiving mm-hmm. meal, and then everybody's lounging on the couch. It's because your body's going, "Holy smokes! We're, I got to take resources from all the rest of you and try to deal with this digestion of this overabundance of food." People understand that. So, in essence, you're, if I can do layman's terms, you're saying if our body is fighting inflammation from all these things we've you know done to it and brought in and introduced, and it's and it's it's inflamed. It's not fighting; it's it's inflaming. To deal with it, yeah, it's going to be sucking the resources that requires from energy. Else. Yeah, okay. And, and not only that, but the energy requirement for the inflammation, mm-hmm. right? That is a good biological thing that needs to happen. We need to stop the trigger. So the trigger is a problem, and the and now we have less energy to fight the fire. Yeah. So, and and it's it's a total catch twenty two in a vicious cycle. Because then people say, all right, I'm going to eat less and exercise more. But then they skip that snack. They get more tired because they're dependent upon that infusion of carbs or caffeine or sugar or whatever. <clears throat> and then they want to go and exercise, but they're bone tired. Yeah. And they think, I, I can't do it. It's just – and then they get disillusioned and discouraged as they should. And that's a normal response. And yeah. so how do you – and and that's where I would say the, the American medical system is not designed – we talked about this. It's designed to get you to the uh, pillar procedure of treating diabetes or prediabetes. And your doctor will say, eat right and exercise. You should exercise a little bit more, eat a little bit less carbs. But people don't. And then the problem just kind of gets layered on, layered on, layered on. And then you're diabetic. And then you need some help chemically in order to not have worsening problems like kidney failure, blindness, amputation, all of the the things that are scary at the end of diabetes. But all of the whole whole, uh, uh, specialty of nephrology is basically funded by diabetes. Because if your kidneys are a little off because you're a little dehydrated or whatever, you would never go see a nephrologist. I mean, they don't want to see you. There's nothing they can do because your kidneys aren't that bad off. But dialysis, you know, that is 
fueled and funded by the consequences of diabetes. What's the deal with, I mean, we hear so much, the average person going, oh man, I need to eat my blood sugars low or my yes, blood sugar. thank you. That's I mean, it's, it's one of those things I never used to hear of and now it's just a common vernacular. I got to eat because of my blood sugar. I, now, now, now I'm interrupting you because we're back to the symptoms of pre-diabetes. Uh, so let me just say very clearly, the actual incidence of hypoglycemia, low blood sugar, is very, very low. And to... And there are many, many people out there who, let's, let's just be even bigger. They get hangry. They get a little irritated. They get a little frustrated. They just, or they just say, I'm hungry. These. And, and this is often a person, especially here in America, who has, let's, let me just say, extra weight on them. You would think that there's some reserves there. And, some, and sometimes not. But let's, let's stick with somebody who's got, you know, extra pounds. Right. Okay. You would think that they would be. Good to go for days and days, right? They've right. got all that extra energy. They oftentimes will say, I'm famished. I am, I am hungry. And, and, you, and lightheaded. And, I mean, I'm, I'm having a hard time. And symptomatic. Yeah. Yes. And they are. You can't say, oh, well, that's just your mindset. Or, oh, well, that's just kind of your opinion. You don't really know what hunger is and all those kind of things. Their physiology has switched over to demand that next hit. It's no different than caffeine. So if somebody wakes up in the morning and they say, I need my cup of coffee, and if they don't get it, they get a headache, yeah. the coffee makes their headache go away. They feel better. Is there some reality, too, though, for somebody, let's say, who's got you know, some extra pounds that their body is literally not efficient yes. to, to utilize it? Yes. Like a- they're, they've, they're energy. They're partitioning their energy. So, so, so biochemically, when you eat, your body is preparing for the next not eating. Right now, you and I are not eating, right? We well, I haven't eaten for three days. So I know. <laughs> I know. You're a good example because you have, I mean, your body fat right now is dramatically low, and yet your body's still able to exist. To, to, to energy partition, to, yeah. and to put it very simply. So, again, I don't want to offend people who know a lot about this or to go too high for people who don't know about this, but if you if when you eat that you eat for energy we eat for enjoyment we eat for socialization and taste and all those kind of things too but there's at least one part of eating that is for energy to get nutrition and chemistry where it needs to go so when fuel comes in like that your body's going to say okay it's like going to the to the gas station you yeah. fill up now, Matt, like out here in Colorado, we see guys in these Jeeps, and they put gas in the gas tank, but they've got like five-gallon yeah. cans strapped to the back. Yeah. Okay. So when they're at the store, they, they say, hey, those are empty. I'm going to fill those guys up, too. Now, they're going to go off and drive five, 600 miles. Yeah. That's why they need that extra. But what if they're in town? Do you ever see any Jeeps in town with gas cans strapped to the back? Yeah. And you don't because they just go. So when you eat, it's like you're filling up your fridge. That's your gas tank. And so all throughout the day, you pop, your body pops by the fridge, grabs a, a piece of ATP or whatever it needs, a piece of glucose really, to fuel a brain thought and 98.6 degrees of temperature and the liver is doing what it's doing. Yeah. Um, in contrast to what people think about exercise, very little of that is going to exercise. Most of your calories spent during the day are just living existing not dying so but if you eat too much and your your fridge didn't get empty between lunch and dinner then the body's going to stick take some of that and put it in the deep freeze yeah and so all of us if you've got 10 20 30 extra pounds it's like out in the in your garage it takes a little bit more effort to go out there you got to think ahead of time you got to thaw it all that it takes time well, that's what extra weight is. So we've got garages upon garages full of deep freeze meats and, and glucose out there ready for the next thing. But the more you only eat out of your fridge, the less you even know where your garage is. Okay. I, and I want to come back again for the layman, which is still me. I mean, I, I feel like I'm exposed and know more about this than most, but I'm not the doc. I don't know how it actually works. So to just put a frame of reference there, here you are. And you have a low, you're, you probably have half the body fat percentage that I do. And you're at an all time low. Maybe I would, you're probably an eight or 9% right now. And you are on a three, you've, you've gone three days with no solid food. Well, just no calories, right? You're just doing liquids, aren't you? Right. 
a little bit of cream in my coffee. A little bit of cream in your coffee. And we did talk in episode sixteen, uh, episode 15 on fasting specifically, and we'll talk about it more. We don't need to get into it. But again, just talking about the body's efficiencies and back to, and then we'll get back, you know, specifically into diabetes. But here you are. And today, without having eaten, this is your third day of not eating, you're going to go five, right? You're going to go That's five. That's the plan. That's the yeah. plan. Okay, I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to go for it next week. But you're doing that with, theoretically, we could look at you and say, man, the dude has no reserves. And yet today, you're going to walk into the uh, exam room and talk with patients and be at your mental best. Your, your body doesn't have anything else to, you know, to, to work uh, well, and this morning, you know, with the summertime, I've been doing a walk. So yeah. it's kind of a challenge to say, well, let me do my normal. I'm not going to go on a jog while while fasting, but walk two miles. Yeah. At a my point is you're still functioning. Your body is still able to do that. Yes. And it, it, we could have somebody else say your twin That's over right. here who has 30, 50, whatever extra pounds. And literally their body is not able, like you're, you were talking right. about, to go out to the garage. And they literally are going, holy smokes. They would smoke. be sick. Yeah. If I'm going to go in there and have my, any mental capacity, I really need to eat. And they really do. And so we're, 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 I want to point to the reality of that, but also say, but that is pathology that's 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 right it's It's not that they can say well that's just me i'm not like him i need to eat yeah well that's you have trained yourself to need to eat yeah yeah and you and i and people should lean into i want to say it very gently train into the resilience and the capacity of going a week without solid food no. And that seems so extreme. And so we have to be careful. Well, there. And even if you're not going to, and you have no desire to, it's like a friend of ours. We have a friend, very fit, yeah. very intelligent, very healthy dude. And you said that and he says, I'm a quick man. Uh, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> he doesn't want to. He enjoys food. And you know, like you said, most of the time I am eating generally. Am I ever really hungry? No, but, I enjoy eating. I want the appetite. I want the dopamine hit. And I know I do eat for performance. I want to go out and do a killer, you know, two hour mountain bike ride and be, be, be humming along. But so if we bring that back to diabetes to, you know, the people you know, feeling like, gosh, I've, I've got to eat whatever we have a, a cornucopia of, of things going wrong. So, you know, to pre-diabetic, how many people who are listening to this are pre-diabetic? I don't know. I would think that if they've been listening to these shows, they've got an idea of unhealthy lifestyle choices. If you've got diabetes, I mean, you have plenty of people who have come in with type 2 diabetes who now do not have type 2 diabetes. Yes. Yeah. You've got people with type 1 who you are helping to mitigate the issue as much as possible. I I don't even know what that looks like. To feel better, to be more consistent, less meds? I, I don't know. Less brittle. As a type 1 diabetic, less brittle. Like, uh-huh. they have to watch it so closely. And type 1, I approach through the lens of it's an autoimmune condition. So that's where I would call it nearly a completely different disease. But it's, it's, but it's I mean, and I don't know what the, if there's a, well, no, there's a relevant point here to say, again, culturally, we are growing into unhealth continually yes. we've got the stats to prove it so even with type one where there's a kid, more of that kid can be born with one but there's more of that so why are mm-hmm. more kids being born yes. with that genetic well we could plop over here to there's way more autoimmune in general yeah whether it's type 1 diabetes or alopecia or Hashimoto's or the autoimmune and our stats are always going to be you know heart disease number one and uh, usually diabetes in terms of, you know, why people die and then Alzheimer's and, and now autoimmune is in the top five and it's number one for cost. So and that's another part of the problem is people fear these things. They fear like especially people over 60, you know, hey, check my blood for diabetes. I just I just don't want to have diabetes. And I kind of, you know, try to feel them out. Where are they to say you already have some degree of diabetes you understand they don't understand that so i teach them same with cancer what is the actual lab uh okay i want to get to that too you mentioned symptoms of prediabetes and i would say to everybody out there this is very viable now these days you can also go online and get your own labs and this is an easy one to get which we again, we, we keep did pulling that out talk shows too. we talked about that in episode what labs 23 lab test diagnostic but it was actually it might have been episode 30 or 31 and we did talk about like wellness fx everly well everly well uh, there's 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 multiples out there now 
Uh, life extension. Life extension. So you can go get, I don't know what the term is. Uh, well, so I, we have fasting life. glucose for sure. Okay. And in the old days, I, I think even now, most doctors, the, the system isn't checking these things unless there's clear family history of early diabetes, if you're clearly obese, if you're clearly, the, you know, the risk factors like that are there. But we, you just did the stats. Everybody's at risk. I, I was going to say, it, at this point, it, I would think, even if it, you don't think. That's right. So that's what the point today for people to say is you need a fasting glucose and a fasting insulin. And because what you said too, so you and I, um, you, you in essence said this, we all have different propensities. So you sure. could eat, we could eat the exact same diet you and I can at almost the same age and lifestyle overall. And it, I could have stats that are, I'm sure high cholesterol whatever well my gosh why why are you you don't and i do we're eating the same foods it's the exact same thing is that we took a bite out of the same apple and you still turn it into kevin and i turn it into randy yeah okay it's, so go to just the propensities we don't have to i didn't pull those stats but if you go look at stats on trends in diabetes and they give you all these percentages i just pulled out the overall it is well dr hyman's been out recently like he did the um the video on the red table talk with Will Smith and Jada, whatever, and he talked to them. Said, "Hey, African Americans are at a higher." The issue there was hypertension. So Will, oh, yeah. at forty, had hypertension, uh, but we would say in the like Native American have a much higher. That's half the people in Native America are diabetic. Yeah. Okay. So back to propensities. So depending on what you are, everybody wants to go get their ancestry, well, you know, whatever to say. This is the epigenome that we that we talked about. So that propensity yeah. is not only genetic, but Native Americans tend to live with other Native Americans, and they tend to eat a certain way and exercise a certain way. Well, and, and, and I'll do respect. So I have Native Americans in my family, and we go down to uh, New Mexico, where where they where they're um, heck reservation is and stuff and the walmart there and i can take a video of the walmart up here in our you know affluent little town in colorado and show you what you know look at people's grocery carts coming out and i can show you down there and you can see what's causing it it's it's just talk about high sugar high carbs sure i mean they're eating and they always have so now you get somebody and remove them like what we have and my daughters still have the propensity, a higher propensity, much more so than much, ours. And always will. Yeah. Now, but if we, if we took your daughter and say she married somebody that was a full-blood uh, Native American, and three generations from now, they have changed their lifestyle to three generations they eat like you guys do. Uh-huh. I'm going to argue that that fourth generation child has less propensity. I would expect, yeah. Right? That they could go and eat a little bit of Walmart food or whatever and have less chance. <laughs> Walmart food. Sorry, Walmart. <laughs> no, There's not, good food at Walmart. We shop at Walmart. Not much. <laughs> it's in a little section. A little section in the back corner. <laughs> so, so that epigenomic effect and the, the genomic everything like nutrigenomics, proteonomics, and all of this genetic effect holy cow, the science there is just so big. I think we've talked about doing a show on that, it, it, but it isn't the answer. Your daughter and her daughter and her daughter still have to choose. Yeah. They have to own their situation and resist the temptation to swing into McDonald's and, and, and own their bodies. Uh, okay, so we're, I'm gonna, just so I can call it out in the notes, we're at like the 30-minute mark here-ish that – I'll call it, say, at the 30-minute mark, let's talk about specifically some of the foods. These foods will help feed diabetes. These foods will help not. Well, maybe, well, go ahead and do that. I mean, you, I know you've said sugar and high carbs, but literally list out. I mean, we're talking white rice, white pasta, potatoes, white bread. Well, and brown of everything of those. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so here, here's, so even on the, if you have steel-cut organic gluten-free oats, it's a carb. Yeah. Now that carb compared to instant Quaker oats that's already pre-sugared and pre-treated and you open up the packet, pour it in and pour the water in, there's a much different carbohydrate signature there and how that impacts your body will be different. Now that instant oatmeal from Quaker oats compared to Fruit Loops is going to be a better choice. And, and But steel cut oats over here is going to be a Better choice to some. I mean, is it too simplistic to say you could look at the amount, the carb grams, would it be in grams, carbohydrates and sugars, and kind of look at those? So, well, to, to try to compare to say, okay, here's this, 
you're talking it, about? Well, now you got to you got to bring in the fiber, and this is okay. this is where it gets complex. And reading the back of the food, you know, Ben, and and that gets hard for people to do. It's not comfortable. They they haven't grown up eating this way, and so so then to list kind of in general the food things that are going to tip you more towards diabetes are going to be your simple sugars yeah so so at the far end is fruit loops that's you know and then you're over here into oats i mean fruit is is carbs yes vegetables is is carbs yes they are almost everything will have some carbs you know what i mean pure coconut oil will not have any carbs i don't think Right? Yeah. It's, it's, does steak have carbs? A little, yeah, a little bit a little of carbs, bit. even in, in steak, you know, because, you know, how is it prepared and, and all of the stuff that happens from the cow out there in the grass to, to our table. Well, somebody could real quick jump and go, okay, so keto, right? Keto yeah. would be, well, it, uh, yes, for, that if somebody is pre diabetic and leaning towards diabetes and they want to say, what do I eat? And we're trying to boil it down, we could say you should eat towards the keto side, yeah. towards the paleo side. Less carbs, less beans, less potatoes, less rice. Even though you could say, well, it's organic blue potatoes. Yes, it is. But if you've already been pounding on your insulin and glucose for years, you need to stop any kind of pounding. Yeah. Right, like if you have a blister on your foot and you say, "What's the best? What shoes cause blisters?" And I would say, "Well, bad shoes." Well, what shoe won't ever cause a blister? Well, there's no such shoe as that. But if you take the best shoe and put it on your blistered foot, still gonna hurt. It still hurts. Yeah, yeah. So you you might need a pure rest. Now, is that carb free? Pure keto. That's a tough diet to be on. But I'd say yes. Lots of people do. And I, I, yeah, I have. I did it and did the little keto. strips keto sticks, and stuff yeah. and you go into ketosis and so i played that well so let's come back to on this uh when we're talking about carbs my question is generally to the doc what do you eat <laughs> so carb yeah. wise i mean go, literally i think we did this you know recently but again yeah. we're talking about carbs during the average day i do see you with carbs you, you yeah. often you love oats uh, still yes. cut oats. Now you talked last time about you know in it you put in nuts and berries, uh, coconut, and oil coconut oil. And all oil this. Yeah. So it's got fats, it's got proteins, and it has some carbs, and it has a better form of carbs. But you do uh, break or uh, lunch. You you seldom ever have any food in between that, even when you are eating. Um, so lunch, we usually sit down on the deck, and you often have. Uh, brown rice or and white rice do and, you, and yeah just the kids are so picky so pasta you know, do you do right you guys do rice pasta. pasta so so for, for you guys listening we neither of us do much gluten i do probably more than you i'll do some actual some uh, slice of sprouted bread uh what is that the ezekiel, ezekiel bread? bread yeah anyways but so so pasta um you'll do quinoa i see that in your mix a lot you've got that with a often a meat and a and bunch of veggies That's well and and but i need to say uh and you know we can do labs on all of our families so none of us uh one of the labs that that we're kind of bouncing around too much here but one of the labs that we need to talk about is the a1c so glucose insulin and, and a1c um, and so I'll come back to that after we talk about our diet. We are in the low category. So we're as far away from on the diabetic spectrum as we could be. And if there are many people out there who now here we have to be careful because if you're one of those slightly, even if you're skinny, but slightly overweight, I get really hungry. So I must need, I get hypoglycemic. I must need sugar more yeah, often. Yeah. Th- no, that is pathology. Do not succumb to that temptation. Now, um, I know that I'm not on that category. I can go three or four days without eating, and I'm not going to have the hangry whatever. So, so I've also experimented with keto, and I also know that I do better with good carbs. And some people do. My, well, better in what way? Like you feel Athletic, more energetic. Well, stamina. I do. That's and that's which is relevant for some people. But absolutely, man. If I'm going to be doing my you know hour, two hour mountain bike rides every day, I do have more. My engines running better if I have had some carbs to draw from. Sure, and I think late. And the other thing for me is late afternoon mental clarity. Okay. The four o'clock patient, the four thirty to five thirty paperwork that is just you know painful. Yeah, getting it done. That clarity is really better on fasting days uh is is 
and and then on non-fasting days, we're eating a good, you know, fats, carbohydrates, proteins. Um, that if car- if carbs are in there, and we do do the jasmine, white rice, and you know, kind of we we were in Japan for so long, so we've got this Asian sort of thing. And um, we had sushi last night, so I had plenty. Yeah, of that white, kind of white, white rice, rice and yeah. sticky rice, sticky rice, so good, <laughs> so good. It's, it's, but but it's, it's, it's good because it's a sugar. It's, it's a dopamine hit, man. It's well, and you don't do it every day. It's a so treat. it's a treat. Yeah. Yes, it's a treat. And so, so that's kind of where our family is, and we don't have anybody in the family that's on the early side of prediabetes and, and that kind of a thing. Now I do have kids that are you know young and thin and all of that but they're sugarholics and you know so we're battling that they don't do their vegetables very well they don't do fat very well so that's the wrestling match that we're trying to you know <laughs> we've talked about that a lot um but i do want to come back to these labs yeah, yeah is that fair yeah, yeah yeah so everybody needs and talk to your doctor or go online and i think everybody should every year get an and if you get a fasting glucose test that costs all of four or five bucks Okay, well, if you do it, you know, retail price online, probably 10 bucks. And a fasting insulin. Um, If you're suspicious at all, you should also eat a small meal and get a two hour uh, glucose and insulin. So that's kind of called an oral glucose tolerance test. It women will will remember that when they were pregnant, usually around week twenty eight, they get this. Um, they have to drink that really sugary drink. That's yeah, the same reason yeah. they're looking for gestational diabetes, and sometimes that can go out to four or five hours. So the the complexities of that that's that's what you need your doctor for. And does that, um, does that look right? And then next is the hemoglobin A one C test. So that's a retail price, oh. but the retail price we're looking at is fifty bucks. Well, so folks, so I'm on I'm on Everly Well. Uh, just like it sounds, everlywell.com. I typed in A1C and it comes up. What is that? Oh, okay, so uh, you know our price for that would be about twelve. $12. And, uh, so it's forty nine bucks on here. Either way, yeah, it's it's very valuable to get that test. So hemoglobin A1C is how much if your sw- if your blood is swimming around with too many glucose molecules floating around in there then it essentially will stick to one part of the red blood cell, the hemoglobin. And so we draw the blood, and there's a test to look at, well, how much glucose is stuck onto the hemoglobin, and that test is called hemoglobin A1C. Mm -hmm. And it's essentially how glycated, so glucose stuck onto the hemoglobin, how glycated is the hemoglobin, and then you get a score. And so... What I coach people to is the goal is 5.2 or under. So that's an A plus, right? right? Now, if you're at a 5.4 or under, you get an A. So if we're grading people like in elementary school. And the normal lab will say, hey, 5.4 is excellent. 5.7 starts prediabetes. Okay. 6.5 is diabetes. So as it gets more and more glycated, think of... It's like last time you did yours, what was it? You remember? I'm at, I'm at 5.0. Four, high, high fours are fives, low fives. I can't remember what you were. But we'll look at it afterwards. So this, if you, and, and, and you want to be there forever, right? It's, so a lot of people will say, you know, if I'm 52 and it's that, I'm like, oh, good. I don't have to worry about diabetes. Well, yeah, go eat a gallon of ice cream every day. And, you know, it just doesn't make any sense to think that way. Yeah. Like, you don't fill up your gas tank and say, oh, I don't ever have to worry again about my gas. Yeah. It's just a part of the pro- – it's a dynamic, fluid, moving system. And that's where I don't believe that people need a yearly checkup, so we should do a show on that one. But I do think that people should be either on their own, know how to do this, or with a functional medicine doc to say, what are the biomarkers that are important on a yearly basis? What about every three years? What about every five or, or that kind of thing in order to be more confident that I'm as well as I could be? Yeah. That's a big one. That's yearly. And if you are over 5.4, I'd say that's a yellow flag right there. You are in the pre-diabetic, you know, don't get scared. It's not like you're going to have diabetes tomorrow probably. And if you're at, if you're in the sixes, I'd say, look, that's a C minus. You need some remedial attention right now. Five point four. I thought you just said you thought you were at five. Yeah. So it's a real close measurement. Yeah. These are all point one percent degrees of change. Yeah. So, but those point ones are big shifts in the body. Okay. So it's so. it's a big shift, and five point two is your A plus. 
6.5 is diabetes. Okay. So there's 13 gradations between there, right? So each I want to know, know what mine is. I can pause this thing. And you could pause it and we can go look. Okay, yeah. Hold on. All right. All right. So we're back. We just checked it out. And well, yours was 5.2. Yep. 5.1. I went at 5.0, 5.1, 5.2 over the last year. You had yours done in, in early 19 and you were at 4.7. Yeah. That was your A1C. That's like if a boat is in an ocean where there's lots of barnacles, there's going to be lots of barnacles on the boat. And we just did an assessment, and you don't have too many glucoses, well, at least you didn't, stuck to your hemoglobins, your red blood cells, indicating there's not too many floating around in your system. And the same with me. And then we did our fasting glucose, and, and both on, on our Quest Labs, it flagged red. Remember, it read us both as too low. And yours was 62, and mine was like 49. And I would say, yes, that's hypoglycemic if... You're symptomatic. But if you're floating along as normal, okay. Well, if you took, theoretically, it wouldn't, would it be fair to say, if you took somebody who was perfectly healthy, which nobody is, but, I mean, that the, the, the parameters, I guess my yeah. point is the, the to, parameters yeah. right now, if we look at the American parameters on these labs, they're probably skewed. Absolutely. So the norms. We, ha- that we have to get there on why does Quest call the reference range yeah. these markers? But the other thing we looked at was our insulin. So fasting glucose, fasting insulin, and then hemoglobin A1C. That, those are the three simple, easy, cheap labs that everybody can do every year to say, hey, where am I on this scale? Yeah. And your insulin was two and mine well, was... Well, and mention that insulin because when we talk about diabetes, that's what you think about. Oh, I'm diabetic. I have to go take an insulin shot. People hear that and they think, oh, gosh, what, how are my insulin levels and i have again this is where i've never paid attention i've never cared enough to go into it but insulin i think about is that what helps me process sugar let me go back to my analogy of the refrigerators so insulin is what's going to help you get into the refrigerator it's the key to the refrigerator it helps you put food into the refrigerator that's what insulin is now people who are Insulin dependent, forget type 1, if you're in type 2, insulin dependent diabetes, that means that you are so far off of normal physiology that your insulin cannot open the refrigerator and cannot go to the garage and get the deep freeze stuff out. So if I eat X, then I have to support it with insulin. You, so yeah. if I eat, is, is it, and is it sugar? Is that what, is that? Yeah, the main carbs. Thing? carbs. Well, your body, you're going to eat, you don't eat, sh- well, you can't eat sugar. You eat carbs. Well, yeah. your body turns it into glucose. Or I say, yeah, I'm going to have a donut. So I'm going to go over here and shoot up. To, right, to, or a glucola or a Coca-Cola or, you know, a, a really healthy steel-cut oats. They're still going to be, it's going right. to convert to glucose. The reason the steel-cut oats are a little bit healthier is it converts to glucose much slower. Mm-hmm. But if you mainline it with a soda, it can, there's 60 grams of carbs, boom, into your system. That creates a dramatic spike in your insulin in order to get the glucose into the cell. So we're still talking about a response. So here you and I are, and we don't have you know any bad level of ill health regarding this, but if I, well, but or and, if I have sugar in, yeah. at night, you know, cake and ice cream for the party or whatever, and then go to sleep, I'm generally going to have really crappy sleep. I mean, I can, I can look at my watch, and I don't go into deep sleep much, and I'm tossed and turned, and I'm aware of it. It affects me. It maybe is that should, is that what should happen? Yeah, your body is freaking out. Or can you maybe you process it? Your, your body can deal with it better, and you sleep fine. That's what I was just going to say. Is through the COVID nineteen stuff, and we've been you know too many movie nights and too many yeah. bowls of ice cream. And I, it's one of the reasons I do want to fast. Is there will be a big dose of carbs, but I'll sleep fine. And that's just you and, and, and me. Well, I was going to say propensity, and so I wonder if, yeah, I, I don't. But I don't think that has anything to do with insulin. Okay. It has less. Well, just... it, your body's responding to something. Yeah. And, and certainly you need to pay attention to that, and that's your pathway, and it's probably going to be beneficial. Oh, well, and I feel, and this is what it does come, you know, symptomatic. How do you feel? Are you sensitive enough? And I feel like I am sensitive to sugars. It's worth it for you to just not do that. I, and a lot of times I don't. Last night we had a, a birthday party, and it was my oldest in the cheesecake. And I, I love cheesecake. 
I did not have that much. I, I didn't, and I, my sleep was pretty good. And and that's what we've called the blessing of pain. Yeah, You've yeah. been given a, a biomarker that you're aware of. And yeah, if you go from, to the Cheesecake Factory and the size that would not. I mean, just, I just just not sleep. Be like having coffee. You, know. you, you have to have it for breakfast. Yeah, and of course, a proper serving is probably a little slice. Yeah. So, so back to our <clears throat> insulin thought there, where. So I don't know. In you, does that impact the sleep, and is that an insulin response? It, in the context of diabetes, I would say that's not on the conversation. In the context of diabetes, it's if I had that bowl of ice cream, and I know a lot of people who have a little bowl of ice cream every night, and they just look forward to it, you are increasing your chances because not you're putting this big dollop of sugar in there. Your insulin spike goes up, and then you go to bed. right? So you don't even... It's like you load up your refrigerator full, and then you go to bed for eight, nine hours, and you don't do anything to pull that stuff out, and then you wake up the next morning and have breakfast. And that's what we're saying is your system, your body will say, okay, and take the refrigerator stuff and plop it out into the garage in the deep freeze. Harder to get to. It takes more time and energy to get to those calories uh, to, to use later on, and I would argue you do not get to them without a degree of fasting. Well, and I also just want to point out what you said. You eat this at night, you go to bed, it's still in there. You get up the next morning, you have the same thing. I mean, we're talking about ultimately, you said, we said training your body earlier. This is an addiction. So yeah, when you want to take it off, you can have adverse effects. I mean, it's your body is going to say, hey, I'll, I'm there to adapt to whatever you do. Whatever you, you like your, your health is your own fault, Darn right? Fault. Your, your, yeah. your body, if you're a diabetic, in large part. Now, again, I say this gently and not to, but, you know, blame or what. That's not the right word. You're a diabetic because of the choices you've made. Now, granted, if we go to your daughter, is she have a higher propensity? Yes, but she's not born diabetic. So with great grace, we say to people, you have whatever propensity you're born with, but you are not predestined to be a type 2 diabetic. I was going to say, I was going yeah, to take that statement you said, you're, you know, you're, you're kind of doing it to yourself. And you can have a propensity that wasn't your fault, that was given to you back here that makes it le- more or less unfair to you. And, and the If you want to think about fairness in that way, yeah, well. right? That's, that's, that's abrogating your responsibility. Well, I'm not doing it. I'm trying to be compassionate. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, no, my is, is it my... compassionate to give somebody a pathway to blame? It takes their responsibility away. Yeah. And now, again, I, I feel bad after having just said that. It's like, oh, I'm so sorry. But I'm not, on the other hand, the yeah. pathway to well-earnedness, to get not to perfection, not to wellness. We talked about that in the past. We don't say well or healthy. The pathway to improvement is through ownership. Yeah. It's not through a good health plan and a good medication. and a, You might pay for a good coach, a good mentor, a good um, better food. That's the cost of it. But the decision is in your head. Yeah. I, and I do. I, I, I hold on. I do want to. Before we leave, you mentioned the you know people who have a, a little dollop of ice cream every single night. That again, just for awareness, because in our culture we don't realize it because it's normal. But to say, gosh, wait a minute, I don't have ice cream. Well, what? How do you have it in another form? Because people are having it. Name the forms. You, you can have you know uh, sugary covered popcorn, and you think that that's better. No, it's still or plain old popcorn. Still, yes. Okay. Still, the essence of that uh, thing to have to have it in. A, oh no, I have a healthy chip. It's still it's still a, a chip. car. Whatever. I mean, we're well, talking. Or, and I've had people come in, and you know, back in the old day, they'd say, "Doc, I have an, an apple a day," and I'd say, "That's great, but that means you don't have any blueberries." And then other people say, "Oh, I'm really healthy, and I have blueberries and avocados every day." And if you're overweight, you're eating too many of those. Yeah. Too often, yeah, sugar and it's, fat. It's, so everybody it's better again, sugar, better fat. It's better sugar, better fat. Avocado is a great fat. Well, so. and it is, but don't eat them, you know, to the point where you ruin them. Yeah, and that's true of everything. You mentioned sugar as an addiction, and now we know, and there's lots and lots of articles, and even in the lay press, you know, National Geographic, but there's there was a whole magazine on sugar, 
and the addictive capacity of that more than cocaine, more than tobacco, physical and, and mental. It, I want to put that. that well, out. The, yeah, the, the 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 dopamine hitting your brain, the neurotransmitters, the yeah. the connection to your woundedness as a child and how you went to comfort food. Yeah. Or on the opposite side, the connectedness to your anorexia as a teenager and how that's still connected to whatever that means in your brain is food. So again, with great grace and gentleness, the invitation is for people to be aware and to to see these stats where it's a third of our nation is pre-diabetic and 70% is overweight. And back to, and I mentioned this before, uh, episode 24, overcoming cultural resistance. If you do not want to take part in the more now than one out of three people who are diabetic or pre-diabetic, you will then have to live in a way that is countercultural, and nobody likes that. I, I don't like that. I, I don't, I mean, I could talk about it some with pride, but mainly it's just a pain in the butt. Right. Uh, I, it's, yeah. it's uncomfortable for families, dealing with your kids and whatever, but it's, it is what it is. Either. It, and to put a positive note to that, the same is true of graduating from high school. It's a pain in the butt, right? It's a, it's a, you, know, you just got to do it. Well, or getting a master's or, or you have a doctorate. Or, right. You know. To go to the next level, it's yeah. a pain in the butt to get a degree. And, uh, it's one I didn't want to do, which is why you were a doctorate and I barely got out of high school. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't choose that pain in the butt. But I don't choose the pain in the butt of a two-hour bike ride at maximum whatever. That... You choose that pain in the butt because there's something in there that, that sparks you. Mm-hmm. There's something in the academy, intellectual, whatever, that sparks me. Well, you enjoyed academia. I, 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 I liked it. Okay. I thought I was going to be a professor. But to this, to wellness, now we're saying choice or not, like it or not, it, either you're going to, in this sense, we're going to say, if we, put it, if we put health in terms of academia, I want to be a doctor. I want to be. I was going to say, what if, instead of academia, regards. we say the word education. Yeah. Right. Everybody, we could say culturally, you got to know math. You got to know how to read. Right. That that's what we're talking about here. This is the basics. Yeah. And, and to some, you mentioned awareness. That I mean, the point of this show is. Yeah. Let me preface my statement. There it, is not that you. I'm not saying here you need to become a doctor. You need to become Doctor Randy James and know the stuff to his level. No. no, you don't. And I don't. And I don't. I don't care to. I care to talk to you enough to go figure out. Okay. What should I eat? What should I do? How if, should I live to ha- give myself the best chance? I, I was going to say a doctorate in awareness. Yeah. Awareness of your, your, own, inv- your own history in terms of genetics, your own environment, and, and your own awareness of what do you want tomorrow to be looking like? Gosh, you'll, yeah. You'll not wake up. 40 pounds lighter and, and diabetic to not diabetic, but you could. And in truth, and that is part of the... Uh, the tension, uh, the struggle of this show, even as we talk to people, is what would I really like? I would really like you. Just, I'd like to wake up in the morning and set out. Is what I should eat? It's what I should exercise. It's when I should go to. It's all told to me, and that is impossible. Even uh, if I had a billion dollars, it would be very hard to make that happen. You still have to own it. So to that degree, I still have to get up and decide: Am I going to walk, run, exercise? Am I going to move? Am I going to sleep? Am I going to meditate? Am I going to? What am I going to eat? Am I going to choose to put that in my mouth or not? So, circling back to our beginning here. People wake up every day as a diabetic or pre-diabetic and they think, I need to go to the doctor. And, and that's exactly what we do. We pay 3.6 or something, $7 trillion, trillion dollars a year to pay somebody to tell me what to do. To give me a pill and say, take this every day. And I'll manage your labs. I'll tell you when you're fine. And that's exactly what a doctor has now been taught to do. So even the doctors in the system, this is how they think. And I would one word of caveat there too. In the functional world, you also don't, you cannot go and pay out of pocket cash pay price to me or somebody else to say, tell me what to eat. You and I have, you know, you've said, what are the four pillars and whatever else? And I was like, it depends every day. It depends. But I'll tell you how to begin thinking, how to take ownership of your own labs. In fact, in our practice, we try to graduate people. I want you to not need me. Yeah. That's the hope. And so don't look at the functional medicine world or the naturopathic, homeopathic and all of that. They're still going to give you a, an adjustment or a, a drop or something else. But you still have to decide when to eat, how to eat, what to eat, how to think in your own mind. The, the onus of becoming more well, of your well-being is primarily on you. Okay. And that's probably – that's like a great – 
undergirding for this entire show. And that may be the disappointing truth. Um, I, I'm like, darn it. Yeah. Like, I really it. wish I could have my cake and eat it too. Yeah. I, I don't want to figure out and understand my finances and I do as little as possible and pay a CPA and a bookkeeper and, and whatever. Thank goodness. Now there is some little bit I still have to do even more so on the health and wellness side because nobody knows us as well as we do. Nobody's with us knows every caveat. We have to be our own champion to some point. You're, and that's where I, I like the word freedom. Take, be free in your choices. Don't depend on somebody else. Uh, have the motivation to step into that ownership. Be a part of the owner's club. There you go. Best rule for diabetes. That's it. This show should have your eyes open to diabetes and where and how you can advocate for yourself and those you care for. Thank you as always for choosing to tune into this self-helpful podcast. Great. If you would leave a rating for us, let us know what you think about the show. Best thing you can do, of course, keep the discussion going. Talk about what you learned here, what you heard with someone else. I sincerely hope I've helped you help yourself so that you can help others.